Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Before we begin, if you like what you hear on Mile High Report Radio Podcast, don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, and go ahead and click subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to Mile High Report Radio with your hosts, Adam Malnati and Ian St. Clair. Get involved with the Denver Broncos conversation at milehighreport.com. And now it's time to get to work. Ian, we're uh, about to head into the second week of Drew Sember. So uh, get Drew, excited. Drew. That's right. Pull on the old chain there. It's Drew Sember time. And so we can, uh, we can talk with a little bit of excitement about the Denver Broncos this week. Because there's not some, I, let's, let's just face it, they should have told us way earlier in the week that Drew Locke was going to start against the Chargers, even though everybody who pays attention knew that's what was going to happen. Maybe there would have been more fans at the game. And now we're all on the Drew train, right? We're all riding the Drew train. So let's, let's talk about Drew Locke and let's enjoy a little bit of Drew Sember. And I think the, the first way to do that is... Joe Mahoney had a story. He usually does uh, third and long. It's his daily story for Tuesdays. And he focuses on Locke's performance on third down. And you and I were talking before we started recording. And I think one of the best indicators of what you have at a quarterback is how they play on third down. Because that's one of those situations where as you said to me, it's a stressful situation. It's it's a situation where you have to produce, regardless if it's 
third and one or third and 11. It's one of those situations where you have to rise to the occasion. And it's one of those situations where if you succeed on third down at a regular clip, your offense is going to continue to drive and move the ball down the field and get in a position to score points, whether it's touchdowns or field goals. But the only way to do that is to succeed on third down. And Joe pointed out that this is the Broncos on third down. Even after what the Broncos did on Sunday against the Chargers on third down, and they were 7 of 15 on third downs, they're still 30th in the league in third down conversion. So the, the overall, this season, the Broncos have converted 54 of 165 third down attempts this season. And that includes seven conversions by defensive penalty. Okay, just so just to to clarify the number there cuz I want to make sure if maybe you didn't hear it and you don't want to have to rewind, which is fine. Uh 54 of 165. So that's 5-4 and then a little a little slash line. And then a one, a six, and a five. that's 165 third downs. That's a lot of third downs. And I, I'm not, I don't math good, so I'm not gonna to get too crazy. But that's like a, a percentage of maybe that's that's less than 33 percent uh, success rate on third down. That's how good I math, and uh, that's that's bad. You said it was 30th in the league, right? That's bad. So uh, you you may continue. So in terms of Drew Locke on third down, as I mentioned at the beginning of all these numbers, the Broncos were 7 of 15 on third down. All right. As a quarterback, as an individual, 101 of Locke's 134 yards came on third down. He was 10 of 13 with a 76.9 completion percentage on third down. That's pretty good. He also had two he also had two touchdowns on third down. So just to again to sort of make sure everybody understands, the Broncos converted seven third downs of their 15. All of them came on passes by Drew Locke, if I'm not mistaken. He was seven of ten, which means he was pretty good on third down, and they scored two touchdowns on third down. And one of them, I would love to remind everyone, was the one where he told Cortland Sutton, go, man, and then he hit him with the perfect pass, and Sutton made that incredible catch in the end zone. Am I, am I, am I getting this correct here? He was actually 10 of 13 oh, on I'm third so, down. I'm sorry, 10 of 13 on third down. I apologize. And, and while it's only one game, let's take that into account. Sure. But as Joe points out, Drew Locke is currently the highest-rated quarterback on third down in the NFL. So, so I mean, he's the best quarterback we, in the we NFL. Touched, we touched on we touched on his performance on how there's some things to be excited about. That just adds to it because third down is the key down for a quarterback. If a quarterback is good on third down, your offense is going to be good, and clearly with two touchdowns of his 10 completions on third down, I'd say that's pretty good for your first NFL start. 
Absolutely. I, I, th- I think that, um, and it, it's kind of like you already said, the best thing that comes from this, and it, it is something that you have to take into consideration, is that it looks like Drew Locke is, is one of those guys that just has a certain amount of poise in those pressure situations. And, and, and we talked about looking like he belonged after the game when we did our, our post-game recap uh, after they after they beat the Chargers. And, and Drew Locke looked like he passed the eye test as far as someone who belongs. The thing I love about what Joe did with this article and the fact that you, you brought it to us for the show is that it helps us support that idea that we that we got from just watching Drew Locke on the field and just seeing what he was capable of doing. He passed our eye test for does he belong in the NFL? Yeah, he looks like a guy that belongs. And then you throw that stat up there. You talk about his success rate on third down. Well, that's a stat that you can use to support your eye test. You can look at that stat and go, okay, so not only does he look like a guy that that belongs here, but he performs like a guy that belongs here. The the what I saw matches up with the stats that you just read. The the one that really sticks out to me, the the stat that sort of blows me away. 101 of 134 yards come on third down. That means that they really weren't doing any other throwing. There wasn't a lot of passing going on on first and second down. And if it was, it was those awful screens that I hope uh, Rich Scangarello got out of his system and won't be calling in the future. But it was everything was obviously shorter at that point. So it it just goes to show that if you want to get excited about Drew Locke, and, and we talked about tempered excitement after the game and everything, go ahead. Go nuts. Have fun with it. Because after seeing that stat, I'm I'm actually feeling a little bit even better now than I was before about what Drew Locke's potential is with the Denver Broncos. What it also does is shows where he can continue to get better. Because on first and second down, that's where Rich Scangarello can hopefully start to open up the offense a little bit. Because one of the things that we've touched on is – Rich Scangarello calls a lot of running plays on first down to the to the point where it's almost too much and it's predictable. So take that stat that he has on third down and give him that opportunity on first down. Change it up a little bit. Call a couple of, of pass plays on first down that aren't screens. Give him the opportunity to go over the middle more. Maybe use Noah Fant in the middle. Brandon Allen was able to do that a couple of times over his three games that he played. Allow Drew Locke to do that. Maybe go deep more. Because one of the things that Drew Locke has is an arm that can do that. So just chuck it up to Cortland Sutton. Because you saw what could happen on the last play of the game that led to the game-winning field goal. Even if he doesn't catch it, more than likely he's going to have a defender interfere with him and you get a pass interference call so start to to open it up a little bit not just on third down but on first down because if he's that successful on third down maybe he's going to be able to be that successful on first down if you give him the opportunity yeah and if he can find success on first down the playbook opens up exponentially the better you are on first down you're if you're in a second and short you're you're already ahead of the game because now you have options. You can run, you can pass, you can do all kinds of things out of second and short. If you're in second and long, you don't have as many options. If you're in third and long, you don't have as many options. So 
opening up the playbook a little bit is essential to improving the offense. I think that we're witnessing a couple of different things here with this offense. And and one of them is you're going to see by the end of this year, uh, if nothing else, whether or not Drew Locke is really somebody who has the potential to sort of flourish in the NFL. The other thing I hope that you'll start to see as as a fan that, that we can sort of look forward to is growth within the play calling. A, a, a lot of um, Rich Scangarello hate after the game, and, and and I think rightfully so. There was a lot of frustration with his play calling in that game, and, and I think this is a good illustration of the issues that he has. It felt, and not to throw Dan Reeves under the bus because uh, he, he did some good things, but it felt very Dan Reeves-esque. It was that run, run, okay, pass the ball, and, and hope that John Elway can get something done. Well, same concept here. It was run, run, and then hope that Drew Locke can get something done with his arm on third down. I don't think that people really want to see that, and I don't think that's a recipe for success. But Rich Scangarello has the opportunity to continue to grow in this offense just like Drew Locke does. That's that's where you should actually have a little bit of uh, excitement, that if Drew Locke and Rich Scangarello can grow together, that is... That is something that that will allow for the Broncos offense to continue to grow and flourish over the next season or two, making them better and hopefully eventually being able to complement a solid Vic Fangio defense, which is something that I would assume the Broncos will continue to have as long as Vic Fangio is in the fold. So this is really a win-win situation here. You can you can take the negative side and say Rich Scangarello needs to be sent packing and he's terrible. Or you can look at this as, here's a guy who's never been a coordinator before. Now is his opportunity to learn how to how to call a game, to do that with a, a quarterback that he can grow with, the quarterback can grow with him, and they can become uh, a, a really a solid tandem. I, I'm not, I, you know, I almost said a la John Elway and Mike, Sh- and Mike Shanahan, but I, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna stop right there because I don't want to put that kind of pressure on this particular group. But that's the idea, right? That's kind of what you're hoping for, and. That, to me, is a recipe for success. That helps bring the Broncos back to the top of the AFC West. And the way that you do that is by continually letting him grow, by letting him get more leash. And we can get into that more later when we get to our keys to the game. But that's that's what they have to do with the development of Drew Locke. And I think that's what will allow him to gain confidence and not, that will allow Rich Scangarello to get confidence because they'll be able to lean on each other. They'll be able to talk to each other. They'll be able to learn what the other does and wants. But in any good relationship, it's also where they can grow and get better. And that's where they can help each other. The thing that makes all this exciting is if Drew Locke continues to play well, and it's only one game, totally get that. And as you said, Brandon Allen played well against the Cleveland Browns in his first game. The big difference is Brandon Allen has been in the league for a couple of seasons, and in in particular, he's been around this offense a lot. He was in he was in L.A. with Sean McVay, who runs a similar offense with similar terminology to Kyle Shanahan and Rich Scangarello. Drew Locke had never played in this offense before. Ever. That was one of the things that Vic Fangio has said that he needs reps on. He needs to learn how to do it under center and in shotgun. And that's going to be a continued development and a continued learning process for Locke, especially under center. 
So maybe there's more that gets thrown to him under center this week against the Houston Texans. But the fact that he was able to come in basically off the street and play that well, pass the eye test, pass the third down test. If he's con- if he continues to do this, and this is what we touched on with Cecil Lammy and Andrew Mason on our State of the Franchise podcasts over the bye week, is it opens up the offseason in terms of free agency and the draft. If the Broncos have a quarterback, the Broncos have close to $70 million in cap space. Now they can go after weapons on offense, a deep threat receiver, a la like Debo Samuel or somebody like that for the 49ers or a Marquise Brown with the Baltimore Ravens. And I get it, both of those are rookies. But that's what they can do in the draft. They sit at number 11. Maybe a local tie, and Scotty will hate this, but who cares? LaVisca Chenault will be there at number 11. Can you imagine LaVisca Chenault in this offense with Drew Locke and Phillip Lindsay and Cortland Sutton? Uh, I that, can. That's a possibility. Yeah, I like the, I like the way that sounds. I think that's but, a good one. But you also you're able to go after your defense now too. I mean, think about all the things that Drew Locke, if he's able to continue his development and his progressions over the next four weeks, what it does for this team in terms of development. Oh, absolutely. It it you're right. It opens things up exponentially again, and I think. Uh, obviously, there are areas of need. You're looking at, uh, you know, offensive line. You're looking at uh, potentially needing another wide receiver. You're looking at uh, potentially needing another defensive back. Uh, with the injury to Derek Wolf, you're, you're going to probably need to to plug a hole on the defensive line. And whether you do that in the draft or free agency is all going to be uh, an important part of that as well. So, uh, yeah, you're when you have a quarterback. I think it's what. What really makes the NFL a quarterback league is that when you have a quarterback, you're not constantly looking for a quarterback. And so your focus isn't always on getting the next quarterback. When you don't have a quarterback, your focus is always on who's the next quarterback. Now the Denver Broncos can go, okay, well, not now, but potentially now, I should say, the Broncos could go, okay, we've got that figured out. Now we have to focus on other areas that are going to improve this team. That, to me, is is maybe the best part of, of Drew Locke potentially being the actual quarterback of the future for the Broncos. And not only that, and here's a, 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 something that I love about it, he's a second-round pick, which means you got him and extra talent that's all going to be together, him and Dalton Reisner and Noah Fant all coming in that same draft. You can see them potentially being uh, teammates for a long time and finding success in Denver for a long time. I love how that just sort of could play out. You mentioned Derek Wolf. There's a lot of talk now, especially since he is more than likely going on IR. I don't know if it's official yet. I don't know if the Broncos have announced it. But Ian Rappaport said that it's more than likely that's where he's going to end up. And it's because of a dislocated elbow. And if you have a a squirmish stomach, you probably don't want to go to Derek Wolf's Twitter account and check out the injury because he has a photo of it. I think you should check it out. It's I, I'm one of those people that loves to see injuries. Not that I like to see people get injured, but those things fascinate me. And so check it out. It's really interesting the way it looks. Like It just looks wrong. I, I, I feel awful for Derek Wolf, and I don't wish injury on anybody, but I'm going to look at that picture. It brings up an interesting discussion point 
and we touched on it a little bit on the postgame podcast, is it, this this potentially is the final the, – that was the final game of Derek Wolf in a Broncos uniform. Yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, we talked about – before the the trade deadline, we talked about, uh, and I made uh, Derek Wolf and Chris Harris Jr. my players to watch before the trade deadline because I wanted, uh, you know, I was sort of making the point that this could be the last time you see them in a Broncos uniform. And I I think, and and Derek Wolf's tweet, uh, and and he's sort of acknowledged this a little bit as well, uh, sort of indicates that this this is potentially the last time you will have seen Derek Wolf play uh, in the NFL for the Denver Broncos and. Uh, it's it was a sad note for him to go out on, and uh, on top of that, uh, you know, it was he he tweeted out something that, something to the effect of how frustrating it was that it was on a play that got blown dead anyway, or would have been blown dead, and so that's frustrating. Shouldn't have happened. Sh- shouldn't have happened exactly, and then and then to go even further with that, uh, he had eclipsed his career high on in sacks. He had had one of his best games of the season. He was all over the field. Uh, he, Philip Rivers, I guarantee, had nightmares about him that night. And so it was, it was a bittersweet end to his season and perhaps his career in Denver because he did accomplish some, some big milestones. And, and then at the same time, you know, he gets injured on a play that shouldn't have happened and he goes out. Uh, but, you know, tip of the cap, mile high salute, a big howl to Derek Wolf, obviously. Uh, but like you said, uh, it is something that, now the Broncos can focus on finding his replacement if necessary, if Drew Locke is the guy. And one of those guys is Demarcus Walker, who will likely step in and try to take his spot. And while he played earlier in the season uh, for Adam Gotsis, he hasn't he hasn't played the last couple of weeks. So we'll see if he's able to come in and and rekindle some of the things that he showed earlier in the season, because that that will be a this is his opportunity to show that he belongs because I don't know how many other opportunities DeMarcus Walker is going to have to stick around with the Broncos. Probably, probably not many at this point. Right. Um, all right. What else? We're, we're, you, you had actually mentioned something and I, I think we should maybe jump in on this as well. Uh, you, you mentioned a, a tweet by Eric Goodman um, that talked about Juwan James's salary. Yes. And it, it's it's painful and hilarious at the same time. Painfully here's, hilarious. Here's what Eric Goodman said, and he's with um, Mile High Sports Radio. He has an afternoon show with legendary sports broadcaster Les Shapiro. Here are some fun numbers to digest or choke on. Juwan James got $27 million guaranteed when he signed his contract. He's played a total of 32 snaps this season. That means Juwan James is averaging $841,750 per snap. Not per game, per snap. The uh, the barf emoji that, uh, that Derek Wolf used when he tweeted out the picture of his own injury, that's, that's what should accompany that tweet from Eric Goodman. That is... Um, that is vomit inducing for sure. I mean, it's, it's funny, but in a, in a morbid sort of like this hurts a lot more than it should kind of way it is. I I mean, it's just throwing away money is, is what it is. It's, it's taking up space uh, on the salary cap. It is, it is 
absolutely frustrating. And it's it's one of the big complaints that people have about John Elway and his his tenure as a GM is is throwing money at, at broken players, right? Guys that that are injured, a la Bryce Callahan. There's another one for you, another name that he hasn't even seen the field for the Broncos. So, uh, you know, he's getting paid for not taking snaps, I guess. It's just like that that one's frustrating. But they there was an image of him, a video of him uh, on the field before the game against the Chargers, uh, do, taking some reps with Von Miller before the game. Maybe he's working his way back, and perhaps he'll play a few games at the end of the season. The other thing that it, it, it highlights is John Elway's inability to find a right tackle because all he had to do was sign Mitchell Schwartz. And now John Elway is like Spinal Tap, where Spinal Cap Spinal Tap could never find a drummer. John Elway can't find a right tackle. <laughs> right. Hopefully uh, he doesn't find one that spontaneously combusts on the field. But Broncos country is choking on vomit. Just hopefully it's each individual's own vomit. Yeah, you don't want to choke on someone else's vomit. That's never good. That's never good. Yeah, that's a that Juwan James one's a tricky one. All right, uh, let's go ahead and let's go ahead and preview the game a little bit. We definitely need to talk about what's going on against the the Houston Texans. The Broncos are on the road, uh, so it'll be a road test for for Drew Locke and the offense and the defense. I guess everybody's playing against a team that that's coming off a pretty big win, uh, having beat the uh, New England Patriots. So uh, there's there's a lot going on here. There is. And what I mentioned earlier to give Drew Locke more leash, that's my key to the game. Continue to build on Drew Sumber. So the way you do that is to give him more leash. Give him the opportunity to do more and see what he can do with it. And given the fact that the Texans, as you mentioned, just beat the New England Patriots, and they basically shut down Tom Brady. It's going to be a test. This Texans defense is good, and and, and one of the other teams that they beat this year is the Chiefs. So it's going to be a challenge for Drew Locke and this offense against this Texans defense, even without J.J. Watt. This is still a very good defense. But give him more leash. Give him the ability to, to, to continue to grow. See what happens. Throw more at him. Let him throw more on first down. Give him that opportunity to succeed. But the only way you can give him that opportunity to succeed is if you give it to him. So give him more leash and see what he does with it. He's either going to take it and and run with it or he's, or he's going to struggle. But <laughs> the only way to know is to do it. Right. And that actually plays into uh, my key to the game, and that's find Cortland Sutton. Uh, Cortland Sutton is probably going to be the best security blanket for Drew Locke that you could find. He is already got some sort of relationship with Drew Locke. You could tell by that touchdown where Drew Locke told him to go and he did it, right? He went ahead and listened to him. I, I think finding Cortland Sutton early and often, getting him involved and keeping him involved is a, a good way for the Broncos to put some points on the board, control the field, and, and really just continue to grow that rapport between, like I said earlier, the potential quarterback of the future and your wide receiver one for the foreseeable future as well. I, I love the idea of these two guys growing together, and this is where it should start. So the more often they can find each other and the more often Drew Locke can throw the ball to Cortland Sutton, 
the the better it is in my opinion and let let me be clear here i i am rooting for the denver broncos to win this game but i think that for me victory is is not as important going into the game as actually seeing some growth and growth between Cortland Sutton and Drew Locke is always going to be a good thing and so that really to me is the key to the game is for them to contri- to continue to grow and build that rapport and i think what you want to see is continued growth from the coaching staff see if Vic Fangio starts to get the game and time management down more than he has over the course of the season because it it has been a struggle and it's one of it's one of the things that that first time head coaches struggle with so let's see if he continues to to get better in that regard and you mentioned rich scangarello earlier in the podcast let's see if he's able to take the next couple of steps by opening it up more for drew lock to find Cortland sutton or find noah fant over the middle instead of excuse me instead of throwing screen passes so many times or doing the the end around reverse to no fan that that should never happen again i hope that it never does um yeah you know and it's interesting another another sort of key to the game that pops into my head you talk about uh vic fangio growing and and time management and, and we talked about uh rich scangarello you know also growing and whatnot they've had they've had some very hot starts yeah, and and you can you you can look at pretty much every game in the last few weeks. The Broncos have started quickly, right? The the huge lead against the Vikings that they lost. They had a hot start against the the Chargers that they were able to hold on to uh, at the end of the game, uh, and actually end up you know kicking a game winning field goal. But I would love to see a, a part of a part of me would love to see them get off to a hot start and then maintain that, right? We've been talking about this all season uh, about you know scoring points early and then also scoring points often it's like they're very good at scoring early those scripted plays the you know when rich gangarello can sit down and kind of figure out exactly how he wants things to look at the beginning of the game that's great but then it's the flow the game flow right what comes after those scripted plays how do you continue to grow and build on that and so this is one of those things that i'm hoping to see as well and i, I think you know, giving Drew Locke a little more leash and, and finding Cortland Sutton and I think Noah Fan as well will play into that. Uh, so for me, I'm going to go ahead and jump in with players to watch now. And my player to watch is is Cortland Sutton, right? It's it's can he continue to be the guy for Drew Locke? Can he continue to help Drew Locke in his growth as the Broncos quarterback? Because having a good wide receiver is is something that allows a quarterback, a young quarterback, to get better. And so I'm going to be watching for Cortland Sutton to be working to get open, to have good hands and make catches that he should make, unlike maybe a Deshaun Hamilton or Tim Patrick. I don't want to get too uh, too down on them, but you know how we feel about that right now. So, so Cortland Sutton, for me, is my offensive player to watch. For me, it's Drew Locke and that shouldn't surprise anyone based on everything I've said. And it's for those reasons. I want to see if he is given more leash, how he responds to it. I want to see if he can continue to, to develop and progress like everyone in Broncos country hopes. I'm going to add in a group as a, a, a player or players to watch. And that's the Broncos offensive line, because we mentioned it on the post game podcast. They didn't give up a sack against the chargers. Let's see if they're able to do that against a Texans defensive line that 
wreaked havoc on Tom Brady and the Patriots. If if they're able to do that, that will allow Drew Locke to, to find Cortland Sutton or Noah Fant. And to see them get some consistency and build on what they did against the Chargers would be huge for the offensive line because it seems like anytime they do something right, they take a step or two back. And there's one player in particular who seems to always do that. So let's see if Garrett Bowles is able to put some consistency together and put another, I wouldn't say strong game, but a good game under his belt against a very good defensive line because that will go a long way to Cortland Sutton and Drew Locke and this offense having success. Absolutely. I I 100% agree with that. Uh, Defensively, uh, I I don't know. You got somebody? I'm I'm still trying to figure out if there's any one specific player I want to focus on on the defensive side. I'm going to continue to throw out Alexander Johnson just because he's so much fun to watch. I could watch him do that dino dance yeah. All day. It's it is fun. it's just it, it, it's hilarious. But it's also it is so nice to see the Broncos finally have a middle linebacker. And he's only going to get better. And I he taught he talked about uh, on Monday um that he was kind of limited because of his knee injury. Hopefully and he still played pretty well on Sunday against the Chargers. So let's see if when he starts to get that knee better how it improves his range and his ability to make plays because I I think Alexander Johnson has the potential to be the tone setter for this defense and a guy who we've touched on can set the tone like Al Wilson did because I think he's only going to get better and better the more he plays and the more he gets accustomed to this defense, to the system and to Vic Fangio in particular. Uh, I'm actually, as you were talking, I kind of came up with something that popped into my head. Uh, I'm going to say Chris Harris Jr., but I'm going to include the rest of the defensive backs in this little uh, spiel I'm going to give here. Uh, The Broncos are going up against what I would consider to be a very good wide receiving core. Obviously, DeAndre Hopkins is going to be uh, the guy that uh, Chris Harris Jr. probably follows around. But Willie Sneed is very good. And so what's going to happen on the other side of the ball, right? And our Kareem Jackson and Justin Simmons and Isaac Yadam, if he sees the field and whoever, you know, name a guy, right? They've got, they've had lots of people rotating in. Can the defensive backs prevent uh, the wide receivers from getting open and and taking too much advantage of them? Uh, Because Deshaun Watson is a very good quarterback and he will find the open receiver. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen uh, his post-game conferences where he talks about reading a defense and he gives you, you know, well, cover two, they're doing this. And he starts, you know, he sort of will tell the entire media exactly what he's seeing, which I think is incredibly impressive. But what it also tells you is how intelligent he is when it comes to reading a defense and understanding what he's facing and what he's up against. And so the Broncos secondary is not necessarily tip top right now. I mean, obviously Chris Harris Jr. is, uh, considered to be one of the better cornerbacks in the NFL. And Justin Simmons is having a Pro Bowl season and is going to get paid big time, hopefully. But hopefully. Yeah, hopefully. But to me, this is this is an area where the 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 Houston Texans can exploit the Denver Broncos here. And 
without a you know without a pass rush and even with a pass rush, Deshaun Watson is going to be very good. So to me, the player to watch, I'll say Chris Harris Jr., but really it's that whole secondary because if Chris Harris Jr. locks down DeAndre Hopkins, that's not the end of the game for for Deshaun Watson. He's going to find the open receiver, and Willie Sneed's a burner, and he will disappear and and be gone. There's also Will Fuller to keep Fuller, an eye on, that's too. Right. Not Willie Sneed. Will Fuller. I don't know why I'm saying Willie Sneed. I got Baltimore on my mind because Lamar Jackson's my fantasy quarterback. I think one of the keys for the, for the defense, especially the front seven, when you have a quarterback like Deshaun Watson, is to not get beyond the quarterback when you're pass rushing. So that means maintain the pocket. Don't allow Deshaun Watson to get out of the pocket. So if you're a defensive end or you're a pass an outside linebacker like Malik Reed or Justin Hollins, if Von Miller plays, don't go beyond the quarterback because that opens up the pocket. That means that you need to have an internal an internal line on the field that you can't cross if you're rushing Deshaun Watson because that's going to make it a little more difficult for him to get out and make plays if you maintain the pocket. And the same goes for the the interior pass rush. Don't get beyond him. You want to get into his face, but if the guy is on the edge or beyond him, that opens up those creases for him to make plays with his feet. So you're going to have to have the, the the word I'm looking for is uh, some sort of internal GPS, right? You gotta you gotta exactly. know where you are. I mean, it's it's got to be an alarm that goes off that says that's as far as you go. I, I I get what you're saying. I think it's a great point to make. Deshaun Watson's the type of quarterback that uh, he he's not necessarily. I, I, people want to say he's a scrambling quarterback, he's a running quarterback. He's not. Uh, Deshaun Watson is is the type of quarterback that will run if he has to. But he's always looking downfield, and he's always looking to make a big play. And when the pocket breaks down and he moves around, that's when Will Fuller gets away and, and breaks deep, and he hits him for a pass, and, and you and you lose containment on both of those guys, and that's what could really hurt the defense. And so you have to be aware of it, you have to pay attention to it, and you have to be, be ready to defend it and be smart about it. Don't just... You, you have to be smart. You have to know where he is and where you are and make good decisions based on that. I, you make an excellent point there. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, the, word I was looking for, the word I was looking for is discipline. You discipline. have to have the discipline to stop. And, and, and Words hopefully are hard. Bangio, right? Usually it's math. <laughs> I think, but if, if you have that discipline, it's going to make it more likely that you're able to to limit those big plays. I'm not saying you're going to stop them, but you'll do a better job of trying to limit them. Right. And and I think that's really all you can hope for against this uh, Texans offense. Uh, do you have a prediction for the game? I do. I'm going to go 23-13 Texans. Oh, I, I, I like that. I think I, I, given the way New England played there, or New England, given the way Houston played against New England, I think there's, a potential for a, a letdown or to take to, to take the Broncos for granted, given that Bill Bill O'Brien just beat his mentor and Bill Belichick and the, the Texans just beat the Patriots. So there is that potential. But I think being on the road in Houston with a rookie quarterback, I think we're going to see a little bit. We're going to see some more struggles this week because I think there's going to be more pressure on him. So you're going to see throws that he maybe shouldn't make 
Um, I think I think he's going to probably have two interceptions this week, and I think Deshaun Watson and that Texans offense will turn those into points. Yeah, I actually uh, agree with you. My score is a little bit different. I have 27-20. I do think the Broncos are able to put 20 on the board, but I I think you're right uh, as far as – I don't want to call it regression. I don't think you're going to see Drew Locke take a step back, but I just think that what you will find is now there's tape on him, right? So the Texans will have some sort of defensive uh, idea of what what they want to do with him. And – this is a road game for a rookie quarterback who's in his second start. This is the type of game where you might see a guy try and do a little more than he should. Uh, and and I think that I think that what you will find is this is part of the growth process. There will be growing pains. So as fans, can you accept that? Can you accept the fact that this game is going to probably be a game where uh, – yeah, Drew Locke, I think will throw a couple touchdown passes, but I also think you're right. He'll throw a couple interceptions and that is how they lose the game because the Texans are too good to lose the turnover battle to, And it's just difficult for a rookie quarterback to maintain that high level. So don't be surprised if it's a loss and don't be surprised if he makes mistakes. Also don't get too frustrated by those mistakes because what it really means is he's learning and he's growing and, and that's okay. And that was the point I made earlier about it's okay if they lose. Like, I don't want them to lose, and I'm not rooting for a loss, but it wouldn't be the end of the world because what we're looking at right now is the growth of potentially the, the quarterback of the future. And, and it's a learning process for him. And we are learning as fans, and the organization is learning about Drew Locke as a player on the field. So, yeah, 27 to 20, to me, that's a that's a solid prediction. I think one of the main reasons that the offense is going to struggle is because of that Texans defense and because of that Broncos offensive line. I don't think they're going to be able to do as well as they did against the Chargers. I think that you're going to see Garrett Bowles, Elijah Wilkinson, Ron Leary, if he plays or Slotman, if he's in it at right guard, I think you're going to see the, you're going to see those guys struggle to, to keep Drew Locke upright like they did against the Chargers. So I think that's one of the main reasons Drew Locke will will struggle more than he did against the Chargers because he's not going to have that flexibility and that coverage protection like he did. I still think he's going to he's going to have those moments where you're like like he did on Sunday, like that that fade route to Cortland Sutton in the end zone. You're going to see those type of plays, but I think you're going to see a little bit more struggle than we did against the Chargers. Absolutely. Totally agree with that. All right. Uh, There's one thing we need to cover before we take a quick break and do a whip around for the league. Uh, And that's this NFL 100 all-time team. You, you brought it up in the the pregame or the pre-show fist fight here um, when we were talking about what we wanted to sort of cover. And uh, you, you brought up something and, and let me just preface this by saying I actively avoid these NFL 100 things because I know they're just going to frustrate me. Just like I actively avoid uh, Hall of Fame. I don't actually actively avoid that. I'm sort of in that one, but I, I sort of know that I'm going to be frustrated by some of those conversations. So these, these NFL 100 shows, I'm like, ah, eh, I don't need to see it because I'm just going to be frustrated by it. But, but this is an interesting one to talk about. So I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you the floor here. So Champ Bailey is the first Bronco to actually well, – he's the second. He was along with Vaughn Miller. Champ Bailey is the second Bronco to be even nominated 
for this NFL 100 all-time team. And when you think of the guys who were left off for running backs, Terrell Davis and Floyd Little weren't even nominated. For defensive line, Rich Tombstone Jackson wasn't even nominated. Lyle Alzado wasn't even nominated. For linebackers, Randy Gratishar wasn't even nominated. Louis Wright isn't included for the defensive backs. Steve Atwater isn't included for the defensive backs. It's, it's stupid. It's maddening because, as you said before we started recording, it's exactly like the Hall of Fame. There's way more Chiefs on this list than there should ever be. And we haven't gotten to the Vikings yet. I mean, one of the defensive linemen was John Randall. I, okay, I get it. But yeah, John Randall. Three, three Chiefs for defensive line and linebacker? Really? For a team that's won one freaking Super Bowl. And it's been 50 years since they won that Super Bowl. It's frustrating. The other, thing that, the other thing that bothers me about the list is there's no one from this generation. It's all guys who played, and I, I totally get the history of it, to include guys who played in the 30s or the 20s or the 40s or the 50s. I totally get that. But to have nobody from this generation, to not include J.J. Watt in the defensive line, are you serious? I feel like I saw him though, like I'm I, I, not that I watched it, but I feel like I glimpsed his name on a list of of something for defensive lineman. Did I did I get that wrong? He was not. He wasn't on the list. He wow. he may have been nominated. Okay, but he wasn't. He wasn't on the final group. Hmm. Really? Well, maybe because he's always injured. Well, I mean, <laughs> just saying, dude. Never, dude's never healthy. To not include Von Miller, how many Super Bowl MVPs from from the defense have there been over the course of the history of the NFL? Like a couple, not many. And you don't include Von Miller? I agree. Especially since he wasn't just a defensive MVP of the Super Bowl, right? He was he was and has been uh, an incredibly talented player. He's one of the best defensive players in the NFL today. Uh, he's got uh, over a hundred sacks in his career. He, he is a game changer and has been throughout his career. I'm not saying he's having that type of season this season, but throughout his career he has. So you're absolutely right to leave that guy off knowing he is a future hall of famer is, is it, the word you used is maddening, and I think it's the perfect word. And again, that's part of the reason I avoid it, because I just know I'm going to go, this is a terrible list. It doesn't make sense. How can you leave these guys off? And I'm just frustrated. I'm just, And really, I'm just shouting at the wind at that point, because nobody's listening to me. One of the other players is LaDainian Tomlinson. LaDainian Tomlinson is one of the greatest running backs ever, and he wasn't in the final group. He's not one of the greatest running backs in NFL history. He's not on the all-time team. That's, I mean, I loved watching LaDainian Tomlinson. I hated it when he played the Broncos because he always seemed to score like eight touchdowns. But it was a pleasure to watch LaDainian Tomlinson play for the San Diego Chargers. He, it was, it was fun to watch him. He, the way he ran, the weapon that he was when Drew Brees and Phillip Rivers threw it to him. I don't know how you leave LT off the list. Again, it's one of those things where 
I guess they have a difficult task in front of them to find the 100 players that need to, but it's just the, these lists are designed to do exactly what it's doing right now. And that is uh, create conversation and uh, you know, allow us to shout about how this guy should have been put on the list and this guy should have been taken off the list. And that it, it's the perfect design by the NFL, right? The NFL wants us to talk about it, so we're going to talk about it. Uh, and, and we did, and we just talked about it. It's insane that Champ Bailey and, and uh, is is one of the first Broncos. and it, it, you know, Champ Bailey and Von Miller definitely deserve to be nominated, but there's there's more. And it's it, it blows me away every time we talk about it. And so I try not to get try not to get into these things because it's it's just the NFL, you know, doing the NFL thing, I guess. So. Uh, all right, let's do this. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll do a, a whip around the league. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. All right, we're back. Uh, we're going to take a look at games around the league. We'll start with the AFC West. And in the AFC West, you have obviously the Broncos playing the Texans we've talked about. The Chargers play the Jaguars. The Titans play the Raiders. And the Chiefs go to New England and play the Patriots. So what's going to be interesting about this is the Raiders have morphed back into the Raiders and completely suck again. So that's that's always fun. So I think you're going to see Ryan Tannehill dice up the Raiders. Um for the Chargers, they're gonna they're gonna get their share of Minshew mania because he appears to be back because Nick Foles is what everyone thought Nick Foles was, and that's an overrated backup quarterback. And then the Chiefs are getting a New England team that's going to be angry. what would you say angry teed off. Yeah, this, you remember the last time. You remember the last time that the the Patriots were in this situation? I think they got blown out, wasn't it? They got blown out by the Chiefs. I think they got blown out by and the Chiefs. And they were on to Cincinnati and what they did to the Bengals. Yeah, it was not pretty. It was. They, I'm they, not saying that that's going to happen to the Chiefs, but I would not want to be the Chiefs. No, I agree with you. In, in fact, I think that game is an, an, a very interesting game because you're still talking about two of the best teams in the AFC. I don't think that they are on the same level as the Baltimore Ravens, but I do think that uh, these are these are two of the best teams in the AFC. And you're right, the Patriots are coming off a loss where they were a little bit embarrassed, and so they're going to want to prove something. They'll be at home, and it should be a good game. I think the, the question is going to be, is – 
is there something wrong with Tom Brady and can he uh, sort of get back some of his some of his mojo, right? He looked like in that Texans game a completely different quarter. He looked I don't want to say he looked washed. That's what what I've I heard, you know, the next day from some uh, you know, talking heads, but he he didn't look like Tom Brady, which I'm okay with. I'm fine with Tom Brady not looking like Tom Brady, but it'll be interesting to see if he can sort of regain some of that form because their offense hasn't been that great. They've been carried by a running game and a good defense. And can they use that to beat a Chiefs team that can put up points pretty quickly? I think you're right. I think the Patriots win. I think Bill Belichick uh, is really good at coming off a loss and putting together a game plan for a win. But this could also be the beginning of the end of the New England Patriots. We might be witnessing that downfall now. I do think it's hilarious that Nick Foles is (laughs) so bad that – they're going back to Gardner Minshew in Jacksonville. I, I that just cracks me up. I, I find that to be hilarious. With Tom Brady, I, I I think you're seeing a team that has one receiver. Yeah, that's why Tom Brady struggled because Romeo Cornell and that Texans defense completely took away Julian Edelman for the for the majority of that game. He couldn't he couldn't find Julian Edelman, and there's no Rob Gronkowski now, so they don't have that second weapon. They don't have a speed threat like they thought that they had in Josh Gordon or Antonio Brown, and they haven't really gotten anything out of rookie in Keel Harry. So you're seeing a team that has basically one weapon on offense, and you're seeing a defense what it what it does against actually good offenses. It's not very good when you're going against the likes of the Jets and the Dolphins. Yeah, you're going to look better than you are, and I think what will be interesting is this Chiefs defense isn't very good. So, what is it going to be able to do against a teed off Tom Brady and Josh McDaniels in New England? I think if this game was in Kansas City, it'd be a different story. But this game is in Foxborough, right? I totally agree with that. I mean, in in Kansas City in December, that's a difficult game to win. Same thing in Foxborough. Uh, against uh, a, a, an angry Patriots team, that's a difficult game to win. I, I, th- I think that's what you'll see here is that the, the Patriots probably pull it out. Uh, you mentioned Cowboys and Bears. I think it's hilarious. You had said uh, if Jason Garrett can't beat the Bears, he's probably gone. Is, is, is that your is, is that your take on it? I think that that's what you said, oh, right? Absolutely. If, if the Cowboys lose to the Bears on Thursday, Jason Garrett's done. I do not see any way jerry jones keeps jason garrett if they lose again to the bears because they just got embarrassed by the bills at home on thanksgiving it was not this is going to be this is going to be on national tv again and the bears have a a pretty good defense pretty good defense not sure so sure about that offense but they do have a pretty good defense and they are at home in prime time you, you usually pick the home team in prime time because they've got some advantage there. So, yeah, that's, this could be, you know, my player to watch in that game is Jason Garrett, who's the coach, because it could be the last time you see him as the coach of the Cowboys. I like that. I think that's a good one. The next game that's interesting here is Ravens-Bills. The Bills have a chance to show that they're for real, and uh, I, I, I like the way you put it when we talked about it before the show. Uh, we talked about Ravens-Bills. Are the Bills for real? And you said? No. Okay, that's all you need to know. I think that's a good place to stop. Uh, next game on on the list here for me is 49ers at Saints. This is a potential be a hell of a game. potential NFC Championship game. You know, it all depends on how the the playoff rankings shake out. But both of these teams are very good. 
the, the Saints are are one of those teams that could win any game anywhere at any time. They have one of the best offenses in the NFL. They have a very good defense. And the 49ers are, are have proven throughout the year to be a very good team as well. Uh, you're right. This is going to be a very good game. What's, what's going to be interesting about this is the Seahawks just beat the Vikings. So the 49ers and the Seahawks now have the same record. And by virtue of the Seahawks beating the 49ers a couple of weeks ago, the Seahawks now lead the NFC West. So that means the 49ers are a wild card team right now. And they're coming off a loss against the Ravens in Baltimore. Now they turn around and go to New Orleans. Talk about a brutal schedule. Yeah, it's a difficult trip, if you will. That's that's a difficult trip. Uh, speaking of the Seahawks, the Seahawks play the Rams on uh, Sunday night football. That was supposed to be like one of those games where you have uh, you know the NFC Championship defending LA Rams against a Seattle Seahawks team that's always good. And now I don't know. Now it looks like a game that really might not be that good of a game, but. If the Seahawks can continue to win games, they they end up being the NFC West champion, in and the the that, that makes the 49ers have a more difficult path in the playoffs if they want to be the you know the NFC representative to the Super Bowl. And I think the last thing you want for any NFC team is to have to go up to Seattle. It's a tough spot to play. It's loud, and the Seahawks seem to have gotten some of their mojo back that they had when they beat the Broncos in Super Bowl 48. They seem to have some of that mojo back, and a large part of it is because they have their quarterback. Russell Wilson, I think, is the closest thing to John Elway that we have in the NFL right now because he's taken and led some teams that had no business being in the position that they were in, a la John Elway. So I think if if you're in the NFC, the last thing you want is to go up to Seattle. And I think, I, I mean, the NFC is just stacked. There's so many good teams. You're absolutely right. I mean, you have the Vikings who just lost to the Seahawks. They're going to be right there battling with the Packers. I mean, the Packers are going to face the Redskins at home. That's a win. And surprisingly, the Redskins' defense has been pretty good. Pretty good the last couple yeah, of weeks. I don't know if that's. I don't think that's going to hold up. I don't in think Lambeau. it translates to Lambeau. Yeah, as I say, I don't think that translates to to a victory at, at, at Lambeau Field for the Redskins. I, I don't see that happening. But but you're right. The, the NFC. When you look at the NFC, there are I don't know five or six teams that you think could potentially be uh, in the NFC champion. Whereas when you look at the AFC, I think there's a couple of teams. It's the Ravens. It's the Patriots. Maybe the Chiefs, although it's the playoffs for the Chiefs, so you know I'm not going to worry about that. But really, it's it, there's two teams in the AFC that are are who you think of when you think of the team that might represent the AFC in the Super Bowl. The NFC, you, you take five or six teams and you throw them up in the air, and one of them will land in the Super Bowl. Maybe who knows? You have no idea. There's just a lot of good teams in the NFC right now. In terms of the AFC, I think it's one team. I think it's the Ravens. I think you're right. I. I just don't see anyone stopping Lamar Jackson. I was trying. I was trying to make it a little more interesting. At least one more team in there. I mean, one team. But you're you're right. It's it's the Ravens right now. So that's that's who it is. And then for us, again, it's still Drew Sember. Drew, Drew. You've been listening to Mile High Report Radio. 
Get involved in the discussion at milehighreport.com. And as always, go Broncos.